On today's show, we'll be joined by Madison Moore to discuss what is Jabari Smith Jr.'s ceiling as an NBA player. Assistant coach John Lucas had some incredibly high praise for him after Rockets practice Tuesday afternoon. Plus, K.J. Martin in his new role playing the three instead of the four for the Houston Rockets. What does that actually look like for the Rockets, both offensively and defensively? How does K.J. Martin adjust to this new role moving forward? Plus, we'll talk a little bit about Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington, both of their performances from the Rockets preseason opener. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Joining us now is none other than a Madison Moore Rockets fan, avid Houston Rockets content creator, and PhD student. This man does it all. Madison, I'm so happy to have you on the show. You can go follow Madison on Twitter at MadmanLeaks. That's L-E-A-K-S. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about, we're going to probably focus a lot on defense on today's show because John Lucas, Rockets assistant coach, uh, had some very, very high praise for Jabari Smith Jr.'s defense at Rockets practice uh, Tuesday afternoon. We'll also talk about K.J. Martin's new role within this Houston Rockets team, him playing at the three in the season opener rather than his traditional spot of the four, which is where he was used a lot last season under uh, Steven Silas and his, you know, the system last year. We'll also talk a little bit about Usman Garuba, maybe some Ty Ty Washington, or maybe Ty Ty is just going to get pushed to the next show. Maybe that'll be the new like Easter egg on Locked on Rockets. We just keep pushing Ty Ty down to the next show. Um, But Madison, first I want to run this clip from John Lucas from Rockets practice where he spoke so highly of Jabari Smith Jr., his, you know, where he's at right now, his defense. But I I also want to say right from the jump, apparently Steven Silas out due to due to health and safety protocols. So he was not available to chat at Houston Rockets practice. Uh, Obviously wishing coach Silas all the best. Uh, Hope it's nothing serious. Hope it's a very, you know, mild case of of COVID-19, maybe just a, you know, a, a, false positive test, something to that effect. And hopefully he'll be back in the saddle before the Rockets take on the Raptors this Friday. But let's dive into what uh, assistant coach John Lucas had to say about Jabari Smith Jr. at practice. Just scratching the surface. And I think he has a chance to really be good because one of the things he can do already is shoot. And that helps our spacing on the floor. And he's an elite defender already. And most of all, he reminds me of a guy that I coached before, a guy named David Robinson. You know, he, he has that kind of demeanor and leadership about it. Oh, and I was muted. That's fun. All right, production <laughs> value in the tank already. No, um, so uh, I didn't have my timer up for the clip. I was like looking for it. And I was like, come on, where's, when's the clip going to end? I got to be ready to transition back. Um, Madison, these are some 
this is some really high praise from John Lucas for Jabari to, to compare him to one of the all-time greats in David Robinson. Now, I know Rockets fans probably feel some kind of way about David Robinson, his whole, you know, the the you know, the rivalry with Hakeem, taking Hakeem's MVP trophy, all that stuff. Like that, obviously, but David Robinson, one of the all-time greats to already be kind of showering him with that level of praise. John Lucas, a guy who has seen so much basketball in his lifetime to talk about Jabari that way and his impact on the defensive end. It means a lot. And it points to a very, very bright future for Jabari further down the line. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, for guys who've been around the game so much like John Lucas, right. Playing and coaching, right. For him to give that type of praise and David Robinson for me feels very specific, right. I mean, we, we haven't heard, you know, that type of cop for Jabari before. And for him, I feel like that's something he really feels that he's doing, that he's has that leadership in the practice. Um, and I thought, I think it's really interesting as from a defensive aspect. I mean, I remember David Robinson, like the, the admiral with the, you know, this great defensive body, right? And that's what we hope Jabari to grow into um, in the future. And a lot of us do the Giannis comps of uh, body uh, uh, transformations, but maybe David Robinson is a body transformation as well. You know what I mean? And so, I, I mean, I'm very excited, man. I, that type of leadership is what we hope, and that was the package we wanted from Jabari. Man, we're going we're gonna to hold on to this receipt from John Lucas and, you know, five, ten years down the line, we're going to be looking back and we're going to be like, all right, Luke was on the money or he was way off base. Like, we're going to have to double back and see what this one looks like, uh, you know, how this take ages as we go down the pipeline. But, Madison, what to you really stood out about Jabari in that, in that season opener or, well, preseason opener against the Spurs? What really stood out about his game to you? Well, I think the biggest thing for me in the opener was Jabari fit. He just fit in, right? Like, you don't have – we didn't have to call a play for him. We didn't have to run anything for him. He moved well off ball to get his shots, and his teammates looked for him. And I think that was one of the biggest things Jabari was going to bring to the table offensively is we weren't going to have to call his number to get shots, right? He was going to space the floor. And I think the teammates did a good job of finding him as they tried to kind of pack the paint. And it was really unwise of them. And Jabari made them pay. And so I think that aspect for him offensively is going to be the conundrum for all the teams game plan in the play to Rockets. Do we let our elite guards get downhill, right? Or do we let uh, Shingun go one-on-one with like Poeto, right? Um, and roast in the paint? Or, you know, do you have to stay home on Jabari? So offensively, I think that was what was most impressive to me is that this guy just, you don't have to call a play for him. He's just going to get open and he's going to knock down those shots as an elite clip. And defensively, really quickly, he just, his activity, how much he moved, how much he rotated, he showed so well. And that's one of the things that I think people don't understand about Jabari. Jar, Jabari's mobility, right, his his ability to move and cover space, right, not only with his size, but just his, um, his foot speed, right? And so he's usually a step ahead of guys. And even when he makes mistakes on rotations, he's quick enough to make up for them. And so that's what I'm really excited excited about. So when his mental starts to catch up and get even better, when he actually adds more strength and becomes a tank, you know, he'll he'll become even more elite at that level. 
So that's what I was really excited about. Yeah, there there are very few players that can combine his, you know, level of, you know, lateral quickness, the size, the length, the strength that he already has as a 19-year-old, which obviously it's only going to get better right. as he, you know, spends time in an NBA strength and conditioning program and adds more to his frame, which again, he's got the wide shoulders, he's got a frame that's going to be able to add realistically, you know, anywhere from 15, 20, 25 pounds over the course of his NBA career before he's truly done like filling out. And you combine all of that with the drive to be a good defender, right? Hanging his hat on defense. And then lastly is even though, right, it wasn't a perfect game, right? He wasn't flawless. There were some mistakes here and there, rotational issues, stuff like that. Right. But he's gonna, he, he wants to be a good defender and he's got good defensive instincts. And it's so rare you find all of that in one package. You might have a guy who has two or three of those things, but not all of them. And that's why he has the chance to be, to me, a, a generational type defender. And one other thing that, John Lucas did also say, which I thought may have been a little bit of a, like, you know, subtweet of Christian Wood is uh, he chimed in at one point during his interview and basically said, we have guys that can score without having the basketball. Right. And, and that, and that to me screamed like, Hey, you know, Jabari can score and he doesn't need the rock to do it. Right. He just, wow. he spaces the floor. He's out behind the three point line and guys are going to find him the ball. And he moves up the basketball, does all these little things, doesn't need the ball to be effective. And the moment I heard Lucas say that, I was like, all right, that seems like it's got Christian Wood kind of painted all over it, but we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to derail LOR and, you know, spend a whole segment or a whole show ragging on Christian Wood, even though we probably could very easily coming up. We do want to talk about KJ Martin his potentially new role as a small forward, as a three on the team, and the fact that that's where he played a majority of his minutes, if not, I think maybe all of his minutes in the preseason opener. We're going to talk about that in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Next game, I'm taking Jalen Green to score more than 14.5 points. I'll also take Alper and Shingun with more than 7.5 rebounds. I'll take Kevin Porter Jr. with less than 2.5 turnovers. And hey, why not throw in Jabari Smith Jr. to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they score as more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times back on your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections that are available. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. It's safe. It offers fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So right now, download the prize picks app or go to, go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. So again, that's a $100 deposit, you get $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, where we're going to talk a little KJ Martin, where seemingly like we went from, all right, KJ Martin is the odd man out. He wants a trade. He's unhappy. All this to like, yo, KJ Martin might be getting small forward minutes moving forward for this Rockets team because it seems like they're kind of maybe bought in on this new, again, def defense first, defensive identity, culture, size is another one, right? The idea that you can not have KJ Martin playing back up four minutes and instead have him playing at the three where you've got like a, a six, seven wing out there instead of running 
6'3 EG or 6'3, 6'4 Josh Christopher at the three spot, which we saw a lot of last season. So it's kind of exciting times if you're a Rockets fan, if you want to see more, more size on the floor. And so KJ was actually asked at practice about adjusting to uh, this new role playing the three spot. For sure, for sure. Um, even though last year we still switched a lot, and this year we are obviously we have a lot of guys that are in the same height, so we're going to switch a lot of screens. So since, since my first year to now, it's been a lot of switching defense, so my perimeter defense had to be there. Obviously, guiding guards on the wing and being able to guard on the post also. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're also switching you from threes to ones? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, all of it, like I said, whatever coach needs me to do, I'm going to go out and try to do my best, whether it's guarding ones, guarding threes, guarding fives, whatever it is. So, yeah. Is it good as a shot blocker coming from the weak side to be <clears throat> not on a four, but to be coming from the corner? For sure. Yeah, no, being that low, low man, uh, I, mean, I feel like my instincts are pretty good. So me just having my timing and stuff and being there and also knowing, like, if he drives, if he really not going to go all the way, me getting, being able to get out to my man. So now being, being that low man for me helps a lot. So KJ Martin kind of being asked again about, you know, adjusting to that role from a defensive perspective more than anything, you know, how does that change, you know, his role, his responsibilities defensively? And obviously he's highlighting the fact this Rockets team does switch a lot. Although last year it kind of felt like they switched kind of just for the sake of switching. It didn't really feel like they were accomplishing a whole lot with their switching last year. It was like, and, and that was the funny thing, right? Is Steven Silas has highlighted that a couple times talking about the fact that like when you switch, like he talked about this during training camp, when you switch, you got to switch with purpose, right? You've got to switch like, because you're switching aggressively. You're trying to take things away from the other team. Not just like, oh, okay, he's heading over to your side of the court. So let's just go ahead and switch guys. Like, yeah, your, your turn to deal with the ball. Um, that's not a good switching defense. And so it does feel like this, this Rockets team kind of understands the steps that they have to take towards being a better defensive team. But it was interesting right there, Madison, right? Kind of hearing KJ talking about um, the help, right? And kind of him being like the low, low man on switches and things like that. And kind of where he operates from when he's playing as the three versus the four. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been kind of banging this beat. People know on Twitter about KJ at the three because KJ's a wing, right? And the wing position has evolved over time. And so those those wings and with his size, he's already proven that he could play the four, right? And as his his defense has evolved on the perimeter, now he's getting more minutes at the three. And that's and honestly, I think that's the best spot for KJ, honestly. A big, versatile wing like that should be able to play the three and four and be able to switch and use his versatility in that manner. Now, KJ in his rookie year wasn't that that great of a perimeter defender. But now if he's going to get playing the three, he's going to have to be able to hold up uh, on the perimeter. And I personally think he can do so. And it's because he showed flashes of doing that last year. He didn't often have to guard the team's best players. But when he did, I thought he did a, a pretty good job. And if people need a reference point, they can always go back and watch the Lakers game where he switched on to LeBron and Westbrook multiple times and held his own, played great, strong defense. KJ's really strong. He's a really strong defender. But also, as you said, the low man in rotation. We all know that KJ excels at help defense with his athleticism. He flies around the court and he can contest at the, at the rim. Now, Imagine in those backup lineups, he came in with Bruno, right? We had Jabari still in that lineup and KJ as well. The versatility of a lineup like that with that type of rim protection in our, in our front line is, I think, you know, has tremendous upside, right? Bruno is an 
excellent rotator right now. Like he he makes all the correct rotations, right? And he's early on his rotations and he contests well at the rim. And then we have an alternative guy like KJ who will also help and rotate and, and contest at the rim at the at the right time. He got a, a a timely block or not a timely block, but just advantage advantageous block um, from a guy a lot in the preseason game. We came up from behind him and used his athleticism. So I think it's a great spot for him. The, the only thing he needs to do right now is at the three, I think you have to be able to attack closeouts. And I really want to see if he's added that to his game this year. Has he gotten better at putting the ball on the floor and attacking those closeouts? Yeah, that's definitely probably the one part of his game that I think he, you know, maybe needs to maybe focus on, right? Kind of developing that handle a little bit, attacking those closeouts, like you said. Because um, when he's just, when he's just moving, right? If he's, you know, flying in transition and he can, you know, rely on somebody else to feed him the ball, then it doesn't matter, right? Because he just, he right. takes off from basically the free throw line and you can lob it up anywhere near the rim and he's still going to go up in there and get it. Um, but him being able to do that himself, right? Put the ball on the floor himself would would go a long way. Now, I know you were, you took the minute, you know, took a second there to praise the his growth defensively, which that is an area of his game that he has spent a lot of time working on developing, getting better at. Um, but John Lucas was also, uh, you know, had, had a lot of praise for, for KJ Martin, his growth and development on the defensive side as well. Doing good. You know, KJ's one of our best crashes, getting to the glass, getting accepted opportunities, and getting to the rim, and um, running the floor. He does that very, very well, and he brings good energy on the defensive end. He's a really good on-ball defender, and he does a lot of good positive things. Is that what led to the change, the on-ball defender? Which improved, that was probably what improved most last year. Is that why? I think that is, and then we drafted a guy. <laughs> Tari. He's crowded with Tate, him, and finding minutes. So, you know, with his athleticism, and we're pretty small around there, so we can switch and do multiple things with him. So, Lucas, obviously, you know, a little bit of a joke there, right? Like, hey, you know, we, we also drafted a guy who kind of plays that position. So like that, you know, kind of crowded some things uh, over there. And I, I thought that was, you know, a fun little joke by Lucas. He's Lucas is one of the best personalities ever. He's such a he's such a genuine good dude. Like when he, he just chops, you know, he'll be chopping it up with us before practice, after practice. And then he gets into the media availability setting. He's just very like. You know, he's not like hard ass John Lucas. He's just very friendly, very upfront. Uh, and then, but you'll hear him like out on the court, man. And it's like he he be he'll be tearing into guys left and right. Um, but it was great, right, to hear him kind of you know you know share those share that growth that KJ Martin has had, right? And he he used the word energy, right? And I think that is that is like the key word is KJ Martin just provides an energy that I don't think anybody else on this team does, right? And that that level of athleticism, the ability to get up around the rim, to crash the glass, both defensively, offensively, using your athleticism the way that KJ does is so beneficial. And I do think that that has a place on all 30 teams in the league. And it was kind of frustrating. They got to a point where on this Rockets roster, you think, well, maybe he's you know on the way out. Maybe he's upset with his role, but if this team can find a way to, you know, squeeze him in more at the three instead of being, you know, the third or the, you know, third string power forward or something on this team, if they can find minutes for him on the wing instead, and if they're comfortable doing that, then I think he still very much has a future here in Houston. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the energy aspect is something that is special. Like we, we talk about the things that KJ needs to improve, whether it be becoming a more consistent uh, three-point shooter, which I think he's he's pretty decent for his time in the league, but also, like we say, attacking the closeouts, right? I think a, adding an attack to a closeout, right, uh, uh, it's not a 
difficult thing for an NBA player to add. I expect KJ to be able to add that easily. But the things that you cannot teach, the energy he b- brings on the floor, it's infectious. And, and most of us know the NBA is a game of runs, right? And a game of runs mean, means if you can, if you make a high energy play, you can start a run, right? And I think that is some of the value that KJ brings, right? He's 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 a guy that can change the um, the flow of the game with his energy, and that type of stuff becomes infectious, and that is how you get runs started. And so those are the little things that how KJ affects the games in in the little ways, and that's why I really was I really was kind of disheartened when I heard um, that he might be, you know, on his way out because I think what KJ does is so underrated, but it's also, it's a special, it's a special trait for a role player to have. And I think we need to cultivate that and see, you know, how, how we could utilize it best. Coming up, I'm going to put Madison on the spot with a question to start segment three. We'll also talk a little bit about Usman Garuba and hopefully if there's time, Ty Ty Washington, we're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, wherever you get your pods. You can check out this pod. You can also check us out on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to comment on the show. It helps out a ton. Remember the mantra for the house, for the team, for the algorithm. Go comment on the show. I would sincerely appreciate it. Now, Madison, here's my question for you. By season's end, and this is why I'm putting you on the spot, because we're oh going to have this God. receipt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you better, <laughs> oh I mean, it's going to be fun. By the end of the season, who's going to be better at attacking off closeouts, Jabari Smith Jr. or K.J. Martin? That is an excellent question. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're both, like, that's an Man. area of both of their games where you're like, and, and yes. it's different, right? Because KJ's not going to attack off closeouts with, like, a, a one-two dribble pull-up. He's going to have to, like, attack and, like, drive in and Go attack hard. Yeah. Like, Jabari might be able to do that a little bit, but he's probably got, like, you know, that little Clay Thompson where, like, one dribble into the three-point line and he just, you know, drills the long two. Right. That's probably his best, like, counter for attacking a closeout. So... Who do you think it's yes. going to be? So, but the key is by the end of the season is what yes, you said. Yes, by the end of the um, season. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, honestly, um, getting all the way to the rim, I'm going to do a cop out. I'm going to cop out. Getting all to all the way to the rim, I'm going to say KJ. KJ just needs to get his launch pad. Like if he can get to a spot where he can get <laughs> off his launch pad, it's it's over. It's over. It's, it's, it's just, it's done. Right. But I think just because Jabari is going to have the versatility of ways to get there, like you said, the one dribble. And I've actually did a video on how Jabari attacks closeouts, right? And so, um, yeah, the one dribble uh, into a shot is like one of his best, like one of the things he did automatic in Auburn. Like he's like elite at that. It was it's one of the, the main ways he gets shot off, shots off, including how he walked into that three. Everybody was so excited about. I'm like, man, that's all over his film. Like expect that all year, guys. Expect it all year. But yeah, I think, KJ is going to be better at getting to the rim, and Jabari's going to have uh, those two dribbles or one dribble and in or step to the side and going to shoot those with efficiency. And yeah, if Jabari could just slow down when he's going to the rim, I think he'll it'll serve him better because he needs the option of to continue to shoot and also go all the way because he's still 6'10, 6'11. So being that big, he just needs to slow it down. He, he'll be fine. 
Yeah, there, there seems to be like there were a couple times like in the Spurs game, right, where like he would, you know, kind of drive in a little bit and he like he rushed like the pull up from right. the mid range, right? Like he was just like, oh, I got to get to it and, you know, pull the trigger. And it's like, you know, if he just takes a, takes an extra beat, right, he's going to mm, be able to shoot yeah. over whoever he wants to anyway. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. And even though it's a bit of a cop out answer, I, I will give it to you <laughs> because you gave beautiful context behind your reasoning for both sides of the argument. So it'll be obviously it'll be a lot of fun to see how those two guys develop, how they get better as the season progresses. And it'll be funny if we're like pointing at one of them. We're like, all right, this guy can attack closeouts now. What's up with the other guy? Like, you know, where where's he at? They're on the same team. Why aren't they like developing at the same pace? Um. All right, one other guy that uh, you know, I haven't we haven't gotten the chance to really dive into detail yet here at Locked on Rockets, Madison is uh Usman Garuba and it's I'll admit it's a little unfortunate, right? I was so hyped about his play in Eurobasket, obviously, you know, w- winning the championship with Spain, all of that. We had a lot of high hopes for what he was going to be able to do with this Rockets team when he came back overseas, and now there's a little bit of like uncertainty in what his role may be with this Rockets team with the you know the new contract for Bruno Fernando. It looks like he may be the de facto backup big man for this Rockets team, and it might be it might look like Garuba is getting relegated to third string. We don't know that for certain yet. Maybe it's a thing where Steven Silas opts to use you know use them situationally, right? Because very clearly um, he's got three bigs on the roster that all have very distinct skill sets, and that's actually. When I walked into Rockets practice today, that was the main question I wanted to ask Steven Silas about having three bigs that all give him something unique and different. And then Silas was like, sorry, I'm not here, COVID. So (laughs) I didn't get a chance to ask him. Uh, I will ask him at my next earliest opportunity. But as far as Garuba goes, I I think he brought everything to the table that we kind of expect him to bring, right? In that preseason game, he had a couple blocks. He had a handful, you know, I think it was like five or six deflections that game. Uh, You know, he put his stamp on the game defensively. And if he's able to even potentially be like in certain lineups, maybe even play the four, like, or, or, you know, him play the five with like a a bigger guy, like Atari or a Jabari next to him at the four, then I think it gives them a lot of defensive versatility, which seems to be the running theme with everything that they're doing with lineups, rotations, the identity of the team, all that is really priding themselves on how, how good they can be defensively. Right. Yeah. So Garuba really has to add that three point shot. It's vital for him to get in at the four because now it's becoming so crowded and the way Silas plays his centers, right? You know, there's only going to be one center on the floor. And so if you limit yourself, right, to only being able to play one position, then you limit your versatility and ability to get to play time, getting playing time. And so what he has to do is he has to develop that three point shot so he can get minutes at the four and the five. That'll be tremendous for him. And it'll give him the versatility of, of playing in different lineups. Right. And that actually goes into how we are viewing KJ. KJ was looking like the odd man out, but because he's developed that three point shooting, because he's developed his perimeter defense, now he has the versatility to move down and play the three as well. It gives them options and it, put you on the floor. So unfortunately right now, it seems like, well, actually it's a good problem to have. It seems like Bruno is probably winning that backup center spot. And so it looks like he's once again, the odd man out. It might not be getting extended minutes, but as for his game, I think he's doing what he's supposed to do is what he's been advertised to do. It's just not better than what other guys are bringing to the table. And right now, I think, he has to ask himself the same question Bruno asked 
uh, uh, learned from Capella. What what can I bring that's different? What does this team not have? And right now, for me, it's that three point shooting. If, if he gets that, he can have that versatility and he can get some more playing time. I you know, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with that because right, he he has shown an ability to operate, you know, as the role man in the short role. You know, he can be right. that you know playmaker kind of from the middle of the floor, but. If he's only giving you that offensively, then you really can only run him at the five, like you already said. Whereas if he has that that three ball, then you could get really creative. You could have some lineups where you have Garuba out there alongside Shingun potentially to to really throw, you know, have kind of that defensive Swiss Army knife out there. Um, and they there were even you know, like in camp when we saw like the brief amounts of scrimmages that we saw, there were some some moments where like Garuba was on the black team with Shingun and they were like lined up together on the same team. So, you know, I wonder if that's something that, you know, Steven Silas tinkered with a little bit, played with and, you know, got a glimpse at throughout training camp just to kind of see how it would look with Garuba at the four, because that's. The four is his natural position, right? That's the position mm-hmm. he plays for Spain. Um, but at the NBA level, without that three ball, it's or without a consistent three ball, we'll say, um, he bis- he basically is kind of, you know, regulated to or, you know, pushed into that five spot. So I, I do agree with you there. I, I think that's got to be the-, the next evolution to his game. But aside from that, defensively, he gives you everything you want out right. of that spot. Um, and again, it'll be. I'm I'm very curious to see what direction Steven Silas does go with that backup center spot. Cause like you said, I do think it's Bruno Fernando's spot kind of right now. I think the four year deal kind of cements that fact. Um, especially because they could have just kept him on the on a two way deal, signed right. him to a two way deal and gotten fifty some odd games out of him if they really wanted to. But that four year deal kind of shows a lot of confidence in him, right? They're just like, Hey, we like what you're bringing to the table. We want you to stick around. Here you go. Here's the bag. Stay with us. Right. Um the other guy during that preseason opener, finally, we have a chance to talk about him. Ty uh, Ty Washington, who, uh, you know, he he was one of like the, you know, the the end of the bench guys in the preseason game. You know, he got some minutes and but I think he he looked he looked good. He looked fluid in his minutes. And even though I look, Madison, even though I've been a firm proponent of that backup point guard spot is Dacian Nix's spot to lose at this point. I'm continuing to warm up more and more to the idea of like, look, like. Ty Ty can just play, man. He's just a good player. He looks so fluid out there, whether he's on the ball, off the ball. He's got a better offensive package right now, uh, you know, a more comfortable offensive game. And a big part of that is the fact that he's got like an array of moves, like from, you know, 10 feet in, you know, 10 to 12 feet, whatever. He's got the floater. He can kiss it off the glass. He's got a good a good ability to finish kind of around the rim without necessarily having to I don't know, bully ball his way in. Cause right now that's Dacian Nix's whole thing, right? He's, he's a six, five kind of power guard, right? And he'll, he'll drive it in. He relies on that first step, but even if he doesn't quite get all the way past his defenders, once he's got like his shoulders in there, it's game over. He can knock guys off of him, finish through contact, all of that. That's what made him such a force at the G league level. But Ty Ty in a different, you know, aspect, right? He doesn't, have that ability to just power through contact, do all that. And because of that, because he hasn't been able to rely on that same ability that Dacian Nix has, he's had to grow and develop and cultivate a a bit more of like a finesse game, if you will, around the bucket. And that's why his floater game looks so good. That's why his ability to, you know, get it off the glass, you know, from a variety of different angles around the rim works so well. And right now he's basically a better shooter too. So there's there's so many different like little check boxes in favor of Ty Ty Washington right now, man. I Dacian Nix better come out strong right. or I could be 15, 20 games in and I may, I may be advocating for Ty Ty Washington to get those backup point guard minutes. Right. I mean, man, Ty Ty is just a, 
a, a very cerebral player. And he and he's added so many elements to his game, like you were saying, that he understands what he needs to do if the defense gives him anything, right? Whatever look the defense gives him, um, Ty Ty has an answer for it, right? And I think, I think you know, contrary to you know, believe. I thought Dacian didn't like he didn't have a great game, but I thought it, it was a solid game. I didn't think Dacian played bad last game. And I do think Dacian is it's been noted that Dacian had a good training camp. And so I do think and he deserves the first look, right? So I do yeah, think the, the, the Tai Washington praise is definitely not Dacian Nick's slander. Right, we just right, need right. to get that straight. <laughs> like Dacian Nick's had a good game. He had some good reads. He was running the pick and roll effectively. Like he was doing the things that he does, but he's very much just like that traditional like point guard. Like that's what Dacian Nix's role is, whereas Ty Ty's a bit more fluid. He can do the combo guard role a little bit better is kind of where I'm at. Right. And so, and that's one of the things that I think uh, Ty Ty offers that Dacian does not. I think Ty Ty can play better off ball as well, right? Like, the, because he's a better shooter and and um, he understands how to attack off the advantages others create for him as well. We've seen a lot of that in Summer League. Um, but with his, with his cerebral nature, um, once he begins to polish all those tools that he's already good at right now, he's just good at those things, but he can become elite at those things, elite at, um, in the mid range, elite with that floater, elite, uh, three point jump shot. Right. I think right now, a lot of times rookies come in, right. They have to get adjusted to the NBA, NBA game. There's so much going around, going on for them in their lives that, they're not they're not as polished as they need to be, right? But I think after a year, he's going to polish those things in his game, and he's going to be a, a real force to reckon with. Like I, you know, I think you know he could be Tyus Jones, man. Like he he could he could be that level of, of point guard, lead guard for for the Rockets off the bench. You know what I mean? Where we don't miss a we don't miss a beat. And I also think he just needs to get a little bit stronger. Once he gets a little bit stronger, because Ty Ty actually knows how to use his body very well. He uses it different than Dacian does, right? Like the, the floater that he made off the glass, he kept that guy on his hip the whole, the entire time until he had the space to kiss that thing off the glass, right? And that's just, that's just finesse, man. That's just- that's, that's good. That's good body control, right? That's not right, necessarily right. having the strength to do it, but more just understanding. All right, if I've got the guy, if I keep him on my hip, right? If I keep my dribble alive and keep going at this angle, then this guy can't get past me unless he fouls me. So, like, it's it's a different level of body control because right. Dacian Nix has the body control where. He just, he's a bowling ball. He's just going to knock ball. you down. But Ty Ty's got the body control of like, it's again, it's a little, like I've said it before. He's got that shiftiness to his game that kind of feels a little CP3-esque, right? Where it's like, you'd see CP3 do those things where he'd snake the pick and roll. He'd keep a guy on his hip and he's like surveying the whole time. Like, all right, where's he going? Where's he going? All right, he's peeling off his side. All right, boom, jumper, elevate, like done. Or all right, he's, you know, big man's coming at my, coming in my face. All right, bam, here's the lob to my, to my roll man. Like it's that level of, of floor spacing and awareness of where guys are at and how to manipulate a defense that way. Again, it's it's shiftiness. Right, right. right. Yeah, he's he's just thinking the game at a, a different level than Dacian, right? And and I think that may serve him well, right? And I just hope that he can keep it up consistently. So I think Dacian will get his I think Dacian will get his shot, man, but he, he's gonna have to be looking over his shoulder for sure. Yeah, D Dacian's getting a shot, and uh, you know, again, he he better not squander. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, and Tata is a Tata is gonna be a better defender than Dacian. I'm almost sure of that, right? I, I think I think he he had some some hiccups um, in the beginning of the game, right? But that's okay. He's a rookie. He's gonna learn through those things. But I I actually was very impressed with his defense in summer league. 
All right, local content aggregators, grab that one right now. Madison Moore <laughs> says, Ty Ty Washington, better defender down the line than Dacian Nix. Another, sure. another receipt to pull from this legendary episode. <laughs> but Madison, it was a pleasure to have you on the program. Do me a favor, let all of our listeners know where they can track you down at. Right, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at Madman Leaks. I have um, my content on there. I make Rockets videos from time to time. So my link is up there. You can go follow me and subscribe to my, to my videos and my channel. Appreciate you making the time and stopping by and hanging out with us, Madison. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. That's going to do it for today's episode. Do me a favor and go follow Madison on Twitter. Go check out his content. I'll put links to that in the episode description. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We are also on YouTube. So go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Basketball.